All right, praise God. As um, you've heard me say before, it's nice to see everybody here, especially after Thanksgiving holidays, because we know sometimes that turkey can put you to sleep for a couple of days. So <laughs> thank God that thank God today wasn't one of those days, and and we have so many people, so many people here today. Um, you know. You can watch a lot of the stuff that's happening in the news. You can read things in the newspaper and you can think about situations that have come across in your life or in conversations um, with other people and you can get kind of down about it or you can get angry about it. It stirs up a lot of emotions um, and none of us are immune to those type of emotions that, that, that we get as we, we see things happening around the world. And there's some of us that are in um, positions to actually have a impact over that and some of us that aren't in those positions to have a, a direct impact over um, decisions that are made by higher authorities, if you will. But one thing that we all share as Christians that we do have is that we actually do have a bigger impact um, in the world than we think. Um, And it's not always being the one that's on the street corner, you know, preaching fire and brimstone like you may see see some do that hopefully are being led by the Holy Spirit. Um, Not all of us are in those positions of authority to make those decisions that are going to um, impact other events around the world. But what we have at our exposure is prayer. Um, and one of the things that we can do is, is making sure that we become effective prayer warriors in the world because prayer is a very, very, very powerful thing if you know how to do it, quote unquote, correctly, if you will. Um, so what we're going to look at today are the three things that make us a, an effective prayer warrior, kind of getting back to the basics of prayer, but really looking at the little processes, if you will, that go with, with becoming um, an effective prayer warrior. So the three things we're going to look at is Um, establishing the relationship with God, the content of the actual prayer itself, so what it is that you're actually praying, and then what your focus needs to be after you deliver the prayer, what what, what kind of the follow-up steps are um, after that, if you will. So let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. So the first thing we're going to look at here is establishing that relationship. And the scriptures we're going to cover today, they're familiar scriptures. We've, we've been here through most of them before, um, but we know that the word of God is a living word. And um, his scripture and the various scriptures that are in there can apply to many, many different situations. Okay, so Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start with verse 5. Okay, and when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the, in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask for him. Okay. So what Jesus is saying here, so if you have a red-letter Bible, you see these words are all in red because this is Jesus um, talking here. Um, what Jesus is saying here is that there are so many people out there that 
want to give a whole bunch of words. They want to count the number of words that they say in their prayer. They think about the type of words that they use in their prayer because they are worried about how everybody thinks of them when, when that comes out. Um, and what Jesus is saying is, is that doesn't matter. Okay, So don't think that God is going to hear you more because you use 250 words in your prayer versus maybe three or four. You know, this is not an essay contest. This is not, you know, a paper that you're submitting to your professor that says you have to write at least 250 words. God is not looking at that. It's, it's more about what we'll look at later is the content of your prayer is what, is what he's listening to. Okay, that's what he's listening for. And, and the one thing that you also don't want to do when you're praying, and, and all of us have been in situations where we've had to pray in front of other people for various reasons, one of the things that you don't want to do is think about how is that individual going to think of my prayer? How are they going to judge my prayer and how I sound? Because the last thing you want to do is start comparing your prayer type or how you approach prayer prayer to somebody else. Because it's not about how you sound towards them. It's about what you're saying to God. And the whole purpose of prayer is to be able to talk to God, hear from God, ask God the, the, the desires of your heart and listen to him as he speaks to you. So again, what Jesus is saying here is don't worry about necessarily the words that you say. Don't try to sound um, like you've been praying for, you know, your entire life. And then, and then somebody would think of you and say, oh, my gosh, I want to go to this person for prayer because you just got to listen to how their prayers sound. Because if you listen to how it sounds, you may be missing what's actually being said in those prayers. So it's important to, to really focus on what's being said in the prayer versus how you're actually praying. OK, um, so verse eight again, therefore, do not be like them for your father knows the things you need you need of before you ask him um, and actually then I want to go back to verse 6 and where it says be but you when you pray go into your seat into your room I want you to highlight where it says go into your room and if you don't have already written in your margin um, I want you to write pr- uh, prayer closet and the reason why that's important is because that's that time between you and God where you can shut out the outside world and you can focus on talking to him and listening subsequently for what his response is going to be. So if you're out in the, in the hustle and bustle of the normal day and you're, and you're praying um, throughout the day, you have a hard time being able to listen if you don't have that time to be away from everything else that's happening and being able to pray and listen to God. Um, Jesus did it when he was giving his ministry and many times we talked about him getting up early in the morning and going away from his disciples to go ahead and pray. And one instant there when he came back, they were sleeping. And he asked them, what you couldn't watch with me one hour while I went ahead and prayed. So if, even if Jesus had to do it, then that should tell us that we as, as human beings, we need to do that as well. We need to make sure we have a secret place where we can, where we can go pray. It doesn't necessarily have to be a room per se. Um, I know for me going to going to work since I'm in the car by myself sometimes that becomes my my, my prayer closet being able to just shut everything out and kind of won't crank the music too loud because <laughs> you know I want to hear somebody hawks the horn or something like that but sometimes that that's my time um, to just listen to, to prophecies that I've recorded to listen to some good um, Christian music on the way to work and just have that conversation with God about Lord you know what's going on today um, here's the part that worries me about today and I'm not sure how to handle it what would you have me do okay Amen. All right, so uh, let's pick up in verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
So if you look at that prayer, we've grown up listening to that prayer and, and probably one of the first prayers you kind of start to, to, to pray as a youngster um, when, when you're learning about God. And what this is, is getting to is that you have to go into God's presence, yes, with boldness, and the scripture talks about going into, into God's presence with boldness, but this is establishing the kind of that relationship with God of you're my master, I'm the servant, I'm coming in here to bless you, I'm coming in to praise you first, doing that first and foremost before you actually get into the actual prayer itself. Even if you watch movies that go back to like, you know, 1800s where soldiers had um, swords and spears and they actually had kings, it was actually kings so-and-so, King Caesar, etc., etc., when you saw the people going to talk to the king, they would always ask for permission to talk to the king. It just wasn't just, they didn't just go kick the door down and say, hey, King so-and-so, here's the problem I have and I need you to take care of it. No, because the king would look at them like, who are you? <laughs> you know, you, you got to ask for that permission. So in this way, it's not necessarily asking for permission of God to listen to me, but it's really saying, Lord, I thank you for everything that you have given me. I'm coming to you with this issue and I know that you'll be able to take care of it and it's establishing that relationship and that reverence with God before you then start filling his to-do list with with all of your problems okay now God is not going to tire and he's never going to turn away anybody that's going to ask him but the scripture does talk about God saying how you burdened me with your issues as he was talking about Israel when they were wandering in the desert 40 years how you burden me with your issues, but you don't want to follow my path. So it's not necessarily God's not saying it's a burden, uh, a, an actual burden. It's, it's hard for him, but it's kind of that remembrance that if you're going to ask God for something, make sure you establish that relationship and then follow through with what he's going to what he's going to tell you. OK, um, so remember to bless him, to praise him, um, ask him to him to forgive you of any sins that you may have. So asking him to kind of reveal those things to you before you start asking. Um, forgiving people is a, is a big one. Uh, the other places in Scripture, Jesus even God even talks about before you even giving me your tithe and your offerings. If you've got an issue with somebody else, make sure you go get that squared away before you come giving me your tithes and offering, because God is not going to accept them, if you will, um, at that point. Okay. So again, getting to establishing the relationship, one of the things that you want to do is also thank Him for what He's done. So let's go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter four. Chapter 4, verse 6. And again, we're looking at starting to establish that relationship during the prayer with God. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And we've heard this scripture before as well. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, underlying thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So there we've got these situations that are happening. We're looking around the world and we're saying, oh, my gosh, there's these tragedies that are happening places that you would never, ever, ever dream of. Or maybe I got a bill in the mail that's making me very, very anxious. Um, And this is saying don't be anxious and making sure that when you're going towards God that you're giving him thank you. Thank you for having the ability to be able to pray to you while I'm having this situation. Thank you for going through this situation because we know um, what the Bible talks about, trials and tribulations. 
patience and how it brings patience and perseverance. Um, okay, so being able to give God thanks as you're establishing that relationship again before you start filling up his to-do list um, with, with, with your issues. I want to jump down to verse 10 because we're going to come back to this later on. So staying in Philippians chapter 4, let's jump down to verse 10. Okay, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at least your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did not... Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, I am to be content. Underline that, for, for I have learned whatever, whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So... Here what Paul is talking about is that whatever situation you're going through, be happy with what you have. There's always things in life that we want. There's dreams, hopes, and desires that we have for our life. Um, we don't want to have to deal with struggles over and over again, so we like to have our problems taken care of when we go before God. But being sure to be content with where you are allows God to then open up the doors to blessings um, that you couldn't even imagine, things that you, that you haven't even been able to, to dream and, and comprehend. So you don't want to, and understand what I'm saying, God wants to bless you and God always wants to solve your problems because he says, give it, give it to me. But you don't want to be the type that's going to God just to complain, 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 complain. Okay. You want to be able to say, Lord, I wouldn't be here where I'm at right now if it wasn't for you. So even though I am coming into a ask you to help me solve this problem, I'm not going to forget about all the things that you've done for me in the past. What that also does um, is helps you, help us build that reminder that if God was there for you 10 years ago when you had your issue, why would he not be here for you right now with the issue that you're going through again? Okay, and being able to look back on your life and look at all those different things that you had going on and how it's prepped you for where you are right now, and he's going to take care of you. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, there's no reason why he's not going to be there for you today like he was 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago, however long ago it was, okay? So as you're establishing that relationship with God, as you're going to, to pray, again, it's blessing him, asking him to forgive you of any sins, showing him reverence, and being thankful for what he's already done for you before, which now then leads us to be able to set the stage for, now let's actually go ahead and let's start our, our actual prayer. Let's go ahead and, and pray um, and ask God for whatever it is that we have on our minds. So let's look at the content of the prayer, if you will, by turning to Matthew chapter 5. Let's go to verse 38. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other also to him. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, 
And from him who wants to borrow from you, you do not turn away. So what God is talking about, or what Jesus is saying here, because again, if you have a red letter Bible, these are Jesus' words um, here speaking. And what Jesus is saying is basically don't repay evil for evil, right? Uh, we know what Jesus said about trials and tribulations and that you're going to be hated for my name's sake. We know that. We know people are going are, are to hate us. Some may tell you flat out to your face. Others, it might just be kind of subtly where you've got to use some Holy Spirit guidance on what's actually happening here that I'm not aware of. Some you may just not even know. You, you have no idea what's happening on the other side of the country that is, is going to come back to you because somebody over there may be persecuting you without you actually knowing it. But God knows all of that stuff, and he'll take care of that. And so anytime somebody wrongs you, don't repay them with wrong. Okay? Think about how Jesus was tormented and beaten and all he was doing here was simply trying to give people us as mankind a way to spend eternity with god the father he was giving us hope that there is something beyond this life and think about that for a minute what if he did everything that would happen to him what if he did that to everybody else as they were beating him what if he told god he said you know what lord forget these people they're not they're not worth it you kidding me you see what they're what they're doing to me i'm much more powerful than this i'm better than they are i don't deserve to be treated this way and then go down across for their for their sins for what all these people that are doing that there's no reason for that imagine where we would be today if jesus made that decision Okay. Instead, what did Jesus do? Jesus prayed for strength to continue on with his mission, if you will. He went in the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed to, to God the Father many times about, let this cup pass from me. From, however, not for my will, but let your will be done. Okay. So he didn't repay evil by doing evil. Okay. So if Jesus, being king, treated other people that way and treated the sinners um, by not repaying them for, for more evil, who are we not to do the same thing? Who are we to think that we are better than him and not follow the example that Jesus has, has set out for us? So don't repay evil for evil. As a matter of fact, what Jesus is even saying here, if somebody treats you evil, somebody slaps you, turn, slaps you in the face, turn the other cheek, give them the other one also. Okay? Um, now, this is not saying that as a Christian you ought to be a doormat to be stepped on. Okay, that's not what this says. And there's many Christians out there that believe that um, as a Christian, I need to be meek and I need to be um, humble. And I'm not saying that, yes, you, you need to be meek and humble. But meek and humbleness does not mean that when somebody comes against you, that you are just there to keep your mouth shut and take it. Because don't forget, you are a child of the living God. And greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So do not let think that this is saying just roll over and die so to speak as, as we've heard um, the term be, be used that's not what this is saying at all this is just simply saying don't, don't do the evil things to somebody that they're going to do to you you can, have, you can have your opinion you can stand up for your beliefs um, I know one of the things that, that we were always taught as kids growing up is you always respect your elders, you always respect authority but you stand up for what you, for what you believe in and at times as, as, as we were kids and we were growing up and we, were, we had to do those things not once was it done in a disrespectful manner. Yes, teachers may call and say, hey, your son said that he's not allowed to do this and he told me that he won't. But it was always in a respectful manner. There was never questions about, um, are you being respectful? Because we were taught God would expect you to do this. And when it comes to the things of God, you absolutely have to stand up 
For him first and foremost before anything else. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to stand before him on judgment day. And he's going to give account to every single action that you take. So just because somebody's doing evil to you doesn't mean that you just continue to allow those things to happen. You get, quote unquote, get back at them, if you will, um, in a godly manner by giving it to God and asking God, how do I handle, how would I handle this situation? Okay. Uh, What have we leave for? Verse... Let's go start again at verse 42. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Verse 43. You have heard it, it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what what, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay? Verse 44 there where it says, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. I want you to underline, or persecute you, I want you to underline that entire scripture because we all know people that are doing these things. Right? We've all come across them, whether it be family members, friends, people in the workplace. We've all come across people that act this way towards us. What Jesus is saying, again, is do not repay evil for evil. All right? Bless them. Pray for them. You never know what's going on um, in their minds. You don't know what's happening at home or, or what kind of situations they're going through. You don't know how God could be pulling towards them. And you never know if... God puts you in their path because that's their opportunity to get to know him and to become saved, okay? Now, don't go out there thinking that it's your job to save the world and it's your job to bring everybody to Christ because that is not your role as a Christian. That's not what we do. And it is our job, though, to use Holy Spirit guidance and what we need to say to people when those situations come about. It's our role as Christians to be able to pray for them as they're sharing some of the uh, deep things that they may not be sharing with other people. It's your job to get up there and pray for them and pray that Holy Spirit gets in there and continues to pull them and be the model for what God would want you to be. Because the last thing you would want to do is go out and do something evil to somebody because they did it to you. And then they'll look at you and what do you think they're going to say? They're going to say, well, aren't you Christians supposed to be different? You're no different than I am, so why should I even bother doing the things that you're talking about? Why should I spend my Sunday morning for a couple of hours going to church? Why should I take time out of my day to read my Bible and pray when you're no better when you're no better than I am? Okay, so we don't, but we don't go out and with our heads held up high and our nose up in the air, um, thumbing our noses at people, people, so to speak, we still have to go be humble. We still have to act like Christ because you never know who could be watching you. The Bible also talks about not just abstaining from evil, but abstaining from the appearance of all evil. You know, So think about situations that you might be in where it may seem harmless to do something or to go somewhere or to say something. Think about who might be watching you that may take that the wrong way. Okay, um, That's why I know for me anyway that I'm very careful about where I go, where I drive to, what kind of stores that I walk into. Because even though they may have something I'm looking for, I wouldn't want somebody that's thinking about becoming a Christian see me do something that they could perceive as, 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 as evil. Okay, So being able to abstain from the appearance of all evil. 
also what Jesus is saying is that God doesn't make a distinction on who's a sinner and who's not when it, when it comes to things like the weather and um, whether or not the sun rises or sets. Um, for those of us here in the Pacific Northwest, if he did that, then, man, we must have a whole lot of sinners out here because it rains a whole lot out here in the Pacific Northwest, right? So, so you know God doesn't make any distinction um, based off of sinners or, or non-sinners in terms of the natural um, environmental things that, that, that need to happen. So what he's saying here is don't treat people differently just because they're a sinner. Okay, and again, you never know if God is putting somebody in your path um, be, for you to pray for them or for them to come to you with, with various situations so that they can learn from you about what does it mean to be to, to be a Christian. Okay, so here you see Jesus setting the stage for for doing good. Um, let's also turn to Mark chapter two. So we're looking at the the content of prayer, if you will. So Mark chapter 2. And let's go to verse 13. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they, were fo- and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with the tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repent. So here again, you see another example of Jesus sitting down with his enemies and modeling, this is what God would want me to do. God doesn't want you to neglect the sinners. And I'm not saying that now you start acting like the sinner and you start going out to bars and drinking and cussing and all of that stuff. But what I I am saying is that you have to be careful about who you're interacting with and and recognizing that we don't live in a bubble as Christians. There's not just all Christians running around this planet. We have believers, we have non-believers. Okay, and how you behave around them could very well determine where they end up spending eternity. Okay, so you don't want to neglect them. You don't want to treat them evil and look at them and be like, oh, my gosh, look at that sinner over there. I don't want to see him or talk to him or anything like that. You don't want to do that because that could put you in a bad spot where when you're standing before God, God could be saying to you, hey, remember that person over there that you look so down on and you judge them um, based off of what they're doing in their life? You turned their back on them and I wanted you in that per- person's path because there was something there that I needed them to learn from you. So you don't want to ever, ever, ever put yourself in a situation where you could potentially be doing that um, inadvertently, uh, causing someone else to, to, to slip and stumble. But also make sure you're using Holy Spirit guidance as you're, as you're doing that. Um, I've heard people say, and I've heard people hold um, various fundraiser type events for Christian organizations, that it's the Christian organizations um, that have done them at bars and, and, and places like that and they, and, and they usually say well we're doing it at this bar because um, that's where there's so many sinners and we're hoping that we can touch touch lives now I'm not saying I don't know what Holy Spirit told the, the, these different groups about that but you have to think about 
hopefully if Holy Spirit did tell them that that's why they're there and they're not doing it for themselves and thinking that, yeah, just because you might find a bunch of sinners in a bar, that's the place to hold um, Christian events. So use Holy Spirit guidance when you're when you're interacting with sinners and you're and you're stepping out outside of your your Christian bubble, um, if you will. But you may be thinking now. Well, I don't have any enemies. I don't have anybody persecuting me. I don't have anybody coming coming against me. So what what do I do? What what do I pray for if I don't have any enemies or if I don't know who my quote unquote enemies are? Well let's go ahead and look to go to first Kings chapter three. First Kings chapter three, verse five. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O my Lord, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Okay. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. So if you don't have enemies and you, or you don't think you have enemies or you don't know who's persecuting or how you may be persecuted, why not actually pray for whatever situation you're going through for God to bring you through that situation so that you can benefit somebody else? In this case here, what Solomon is doing is he's saying, Lord, I've got this great task in front of me. I have no idea how to handle it. He could have easily said, Lord, make me a better king than David ever was. Make me the best king um, ever so that as this history gets documented, people can look back and say the best king of all time was Solomon. He could have easily asked for that. And it's easy for us to put ourselves in that situation and say, Lord, I want this, I want this, I want this for me. But what he's saying here is, I've got this situation. Give me what I need to do good by the people that you have given me. Okay? So in this case, it's he's asking for wisdom so that he can be an effective leader for the people that God has, has put him in charge of. So think about it. If you, let's say you have this bill that every single month you have a hard time paying it. Okay? And every month is going, you're going before God and you're saying, Lord, please just give me the money or give me a promotion so that I can pay for this bill, pay for this bill. Why not take it a step further and say, Lord, give me some extra money so that I can also take care of the needs of these other folks that I'm coming across. Give me some extra money so that I can um, give more on you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or, or feed or help feed the needy. If I need a car because the car is, is broken down and you're not sure whether or not it's going to start or stop at you every time you get to a stoplight, why not pray for, Lord, please give me a car so that I can actually take some people that I know that want to get to church that don't have a way to get to church or take food to families that are, that are, that are in need, okay? So now it's not just praying for you, but it's being able to pray for your situation and for God to bring you through it so that you then can bless other people okay so let's look at that again um, verse 10 the speech pleased the lord that solomon had asked this thing now let's look at what god's response was to this now that solomon didn't ask for things of himself then god said to him because you have asked this 
this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have you asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all of your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes, underline here verse 14. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So God was moved by that prayer of Sol- by, by Solomon. And you may have heard... Um, Various people, when they talk about praying for wisdom, they'll say, Lord, give me the wisdom of Solomon. And this is kind of why uh, people would pray that is because what, what God told Solomon there is that there's not going to be anybody that's going to have the level of wisdom that you have after you. Okay, And it's not because, again, Solomon asked for something for himself. It was, Lord, give me these things so that I can benefit other people. And what God did there was, yeah... I'm going to give you that, but because you're not being selfish, if you will, because you're praying for other people and you're thinking about how you can be a blessing to others, I'm going to give you all these other things that you didn't even, you didn't even imagine, okay? I'm going to give you long life. I'm going to give you riches um, that, you, that you didn't even ask for. And then what does he say there in 14? If you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandment as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So now it's God saying, you still have to do these other things for me, because if you do this for me, here's what I will do for you. It doesn't go the other way around. So remember early when I was talking about establishing that relationship with God? It's not God, if you do this, then I will do this. It's no, Lord, I'm going to do this. Please do this. Okay? It's asking him. It's not telling him. It's not, it's not putting the ultimatum on God. You don't give God ultimatums ever. Okay? You've got to follow him, and then he's going to do what he, what he said he's going to do. Then he'll fulfill all the promises that the, word, that the word talks about. And that's exactly what Solomon did here. So when we're talking about the content of praying, don't treat others that are doing you harm or doing evil to you. Don't treat them the way that they treat you. Okay, be that godly example to them, pray for them, ask God to help them with whatever situation that they have going on. And then also look at praying to help benefit somebody else, whatever the situation you go to. And it's going to be it may take some some time to really figure out if I'm struggling with this issue, how can I use this to benefit somebody else? But the only way to do that is to really just kind of practice like, Lord, I've got this situation going on. I know you're going to carry me through this. How can I use this situation to benefit somebody else? And, th- and just listen to see what he's going to tell you. Because even though you're praying for something from God, it doesn't mean that he won't reveal to you, hey, this is what you should pray for. Okay? And this is one, and this whole separate sermon about um, Holy Spirit guidance and, and everything like that. But that's where Holy Spirit could really get in there and talk to you about, well, remember this person over here that talked to you, talked to you about this situation? If you were to have that, here's how you can help them with that. And then it's up to you to then go in and ask. The ball is in your court for what you're going to ask God, how you're going to ask him, and then what you do after he gives that to you. Okay. Um, also, when you're praying, be ready to do something that 
you're not expecting to do. So when you're asking God and you're listening for the answer, be, be ready to do something that you don't, you, you don't want to do. Um, I can go through many times, and some folks here are, are chuckling, so you know what I'm talking about. There are times I know I have found in my life that when I made the decision to go down a road that I definitely did not want to go down, um, and I decided to do that, everything else that I was praying for literally just fell in line like that without, without any effort. Um, and, 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 I don't, and some of you know it's happened to even most, most recent um, making making a decision about something and, and what I was praying for actually just kind of fell in line um, and, and so also be prepared that when you're listening to God so after you've asked him what it is that I, I need to do and you're kind of prepared to do what he doesn't want you to do we always talk about asking for confirmation sometimes God God's confirmation is quiet and what I mean by that is if you make the decision to go down this road that you don't want to go down and you're asking God, hey, I need to know, is this what you really want me to do? Sometimes he won't say anything. But what he will do is he'll line up everything that you need to do to go continue down in that situation. And that's really what your confirmation is. He won't give you a definite yes. He won't say, yes, that's what I want you to do. Instead, he'll start putting different pieces in place that starts to show you, all right, Lord, I guess I'm just going to walk this way instead of going that way. And the reason why he does that is because that requires you to have faith in him. Okay? If you're just constantly waiting for a yes from God, what that means is God could be saying, that's the door that I'm opening for you. I want you to walk through it. And if you're waiting, for, and if you're just standing there saying, "Okay, Lord, I'm going to walk through that door," you just give me the word. He's going to sit back and say, Mm-mm. "Are you going to have faith and just walk through that door?" Because at the end of the day, if that's the door that's not for you, I will close it. Okay, so you got to be able to have faith as you move forward. If God is going to ask you to do something that you're you're not expecting to do, Amen. So the last thing we're going to look at is what do you focus on after prayer as we as we wind down here. Um, so we're going to look at Psalm chapter fifty-five. Okay. So we're now we're focusing on what do we do after after prayer. Okay. And in the book of James, I believe it is, um, God talks about you don't ask, you don't have anything because you ask amiss and you ask for your own selfish desire. So again, using Solomon as the example here, um, he didn't ask for his own desire. So when you're asking God for things, make sure that you're not asking amiss to do something that's only going to benefit you, but to benefit others as well. And even um, Jesus talked about uh, how important it is that when you're praying for tongues, that tongues, being able to speak in tongues, yes, is important, but it's the prophetic side of it that's going to benefit others. And that's I won't say more important, but that's the part that, that, that most people are going to, others are going to be able to value from. Because it's going to edify yourself to be able to speak in tongues. But if you can interpret that, what, what was said, that's what's going to edify the larger body of, body of Christ. Okay? So Psalm chapter 55, we're going to go to verse 16. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Underline all the 17 here. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Uh, I don't want to photo. Okay. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from of old. Okay. So the reason why I had you underline verse 17 is because this, now that you've asked God for whatever it is that you're asking him for, the prayer doesn't stop. 
You constantly, constantly need to stay in prayer. And it's not just praying for what you ask for. Praying what you ask for, what that does is it makes it important, if you will, to where it's not just a one prayer and done. But it's ask God for this. And we know kind of the... Um, the steps to prayer, if you will, where it's you ask God for this, for this thing to, to, to come about, and then you thank him for actually delivering it before it gets delivered. And then once it gets delivered, it's thank you, Lord, for I now have received what I was asking for. You don't just pray one time and be done. You have to constantly stay um, in prayer. What this also does is it gets you in a habit of talking to God on a regular basis and not just going to him if you need something, right? You don't just go to, as a, as a kid growing up, I didn't just go to my parents if I wanted something. How, what kind of relationship do you think we would have if I did that? No, I went to them just to kind of talk. I went to them just to kind of hang out and laugh off, laugh, goof off, and, and have fun. You know, God likes to have fun sometimes just being able to laugh about things with God. Just kind of talking to them and saying, Lord, this is a mighty cold day today. You know, thank you for the fact that I have a scarf and a heavy coat to keep me, keep me warm as I'm walking from my car to the building. Okay. Just having those, having those conversations. Hey, Lord, I just want to say thank you. I'm not sure what I'm saying thank you for. I got a long list, but just say, Lord, I just feel like today saying you, saying thank you. Well, one of the things that, 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 that I remember doing as a, as a child, and I still do, do it to this day, is that every morning when I wake up, I always tell God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, good morning. Do it every single day. And it may sound silly, but what that helps me to do is to personalize God, if you will. You know, God is not just some, being that somewhere in some place that we never he's not like the force from star wars or something like that you know god has feelings and so by, by me being able to tell him good morning and telling him good night that helps me to continue to make sure that i don't think of him as just some some physical being okay um on christmas one of the things that we do on christmas is we always say before we open presents um as we're thanking god for for the ability to get each other gifts is we always tell jesus uh, happy birthday okay now is that really jesus birthday no but that's the day that we that we celebrate but it's that lord yeah you i remember you being here and i wasn't around at the time when jesus was here but i do want to tell 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 your son happy birthday okay yeah sure it may sound silly but at least i know for me anyway i feel like i have a personal walk with god because i'm willing to do those silly basic things i watched my daughter the other day playing video games and she sat there and just blurted oh thank you jesus what what i got a strike we're playing a bowling game she got a strike and she's sitting there thanking thanking jesus for that and as a kid yeah it's like hey that that's so cute why we can't do that as adults is, is i don't know we, we've got to get beyond that we've got to be able to say thank you to jesus and, and talk to god as if he was sitting here sitting here physically okay so again praying throughout the day and the last scripture that i want to go to is back to philippians chapter 4 And now we're going to go to verse 8. So you've, you've established that relationship before you started talking with God, before you started asking him your needs. You've said a prayer that is going to focus on how you can get through the situation and benefit others, not just yourself. Um, now we know that after the prayer is done, you constantly stay in prayer, not just to pray about the situation you have going on, but to be able to build regular conversation with God throughout the day. And now we're going to look at um, what else you should focus on after you're done with your prayer. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 in closing. 
Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, underline meditate, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received are heard, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. It's important that you meditate on the things of God, okay? Um, meditating on his scripture, meditating on how he's brought you through various trials and tribulations, anything that is godly that you can say, if I do this, will this glorify God? That's what you want to be able to focus on after your prayer. Why does that happen? Well, why do you need to do that? Well, how does the enemy work? He tries to attack your mind. So if you're off thinking about non-godly things, whatever it might be, or if you're out making idols, if you will, of the thing it is that you're praying for, the enemy is going to start getting in there and start chipping away at that and have you go out and do what you can do as a human being to accomplish that thing. Okay? And many times when that happens, we end up rushing God, if you will. We end up rushing the process to obtain something that we really, really, really want so bad that we might not actually be prepared for it. And that's why... It's important to go to God with these, give the situation to him, continue to thank him for the fact that you know that he's going to deliver you because it's going to have to happen in his time. Because when it happens in his time, you're going to be perfectly equipped to be able to deal with that situation. Okay? Um, we've heard many times here, you know, you don't just go ahead and give the keys to your, your Cadillac to, to your child, okay? Um, unless he actually learns, he or she learns how to actually safely operate a motor vehicle. And even then, you may not give them the keys to that Cadillac because face it that Cadillac is pretty spendy right <laughs> so you may not want them to learn in that in that car knowing that they still have some things that they that they have to work out and perfect if you will before they get to um, a level of 100% trust that they can operate that particular vehicle um, in, in a safe manner without any issues okay God is going to be the same exact way alright so meditating on his word allows you to constantly listen to him meditating on his word allows him to tell you what you need to do each and every single day to accomplish your goals and there's nothing wrong with being able to set out a plan if you will or here's what I want to accomplish in the next 5 to 10 years the only one knows that, that knows where you're going to be in those 5 to 10 years is God so do like God told Moses write the vision down on a tablet but the day to day execution of that plan you need to leave that up to God and if you're praying every single day and you're meditating on him and all the things that are godly he's going to be able to tell you here's what you need to do today to be able to accomplish what needs what I'm going to give you maybe 10 years from now you won't know how long that's going to be amen so the three things again to be an effective prayer warrior establish the relationship with God before you start actually praying so praising him thanking him for for the situation that you're in and everything that he's given you the content of the prayer so making sure that you're looking at how can my situation benefit others so as I'm praying God for you to deliver me from the situation do it in a way so that I can benefit someone else and not just me and then stay focused after you after your prayer so continue to pray continue to meditate on God's word um, and listen to what he has to say and be prepared that he may send you on a road that you don't that you don't want to go down. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, with that, let's be let's go ahead and honor God with our tithes and offerings.